team who is joining us. Vidisha leads our strategy team and she's also leading our COVID-19 human impact record. And uh, we will be talking a little bit about the impact of the current situation, not only on the healthcare system, on people's health and the economic situation, but also actually the impact on mental health, the moods of the people and the sentiments as well. Um, these are obviously challenging times for everyone and we can track and see how different countries are going through these challenges and how their mood is actually fluctuating over time. And without further ado, Vidisha, do you want to jump in and maybe tell us a little bit about what kind of different moods we are seeing around the world at the moment? Yes, thanks, Pooja, absolutely. So um, as countries go through, you know, the varying stages of COVID-19, we do see changes in public mood. Um, but actually, we even see differences uh, in countries who are at similar stages and the sort of influence it's having on people's mood is not necessarily the same. Here we see that, you know, public trust uh, in the government, in the healthcare system plays, plays a big role. And that's why any communications from these uh, organisations are quite critical because it really is having an impact on people's sort of uh, mental health and, 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 and their mood. Um, I'm going to switch to the map right now. Um, what we're showing here is um, essentially how the, it, the most dominant moods in the different countries we're covering. So here you can see the sort of a global breakdown of mood, but each color in each country represents a different mood. So let's take, for example, um, China first. Uh, this is green. It's good, positive. So you know, as as the as the sort of um, the stage here is sort of that they're moving, coming through through the epidemic, and so there is light at, at the end of the tunnel. So the mood is shifting towards uh, sort of more positive nature. However, you know, we let's look at, for example, UK, US, and Germany. They're at similar stages, but the mood is a bit different. We see in the US. And also in the UK, there's a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty here in these markets. And there have been abrupt changes recently uh, in policy, um, in, in terms of communication. And therefore, that's led to these higher sort of stress levels. Whereas if you take Germany, this is still relatively um, positive. The mood here is still relatively positive. Um, and that's because the shifts here haven't been as drastic. Um, and also um, the fact that the governments and the healthcare system, that there's more trust in them to manage the situation. Very interesting. Yeah, and Tutu, we also see different types of negative mood, don't we? Yeah, no, absolutely. And in, even looking at somewhere like Europe, um, it, it is quite interesting to see the impact of government policies and discourse and the line of communications having a con considerably large impact on people's sentiments and moods. I mean, Germany is the best example, which is in a similar place to some of the other countries like UK, but actually keeping the public uh, spirit much higher than some of the other places we see. Canada and US is another really similar example where although Canada is also negative, I believe orange is said and depressed, where yes, the US is um, anxious and stressed. So it's we don't see a uniform response 
Uh, as Vidisha mentioned earlier, we saw in the UK and US a quite a switch in the public discourse over the last two weeks, which created more uncertainty and instability uh, in people's minds. Whereas somewhere like Canada, dominant mood is more about not so much panicking about their own lives and livelihoods, but more so a deep feeling of sadness not just for their own family situation or their own personal situation, but also for the world as a whole. If we go to India, if we hover over India, we see another situation of a negative feeling again, but this time it's more scared and paranoid. And we see a rise in germ phobia um, in India. It's actually the only country where we see a significant increase in shower frequency. All over the world, obviously, hand wash frequency has been skyrocketing and it's, it's changing across the board. But India is the only place where we see a significant concern about germs, people avoiding to go out at any cost to avoid germs. And then when they come home, taking all their clothes off immediately, putting in the laundry and then taking a shower, which is increasing not only the laundry frequency, but also the shower frequency as well. So obviously we already know as people who are, uh, you know, living in the consumer world, we all know that our mood in the moment and the context surrounding us is incredibly important in uh, our decisions every day in terms of what we do, what activities we engage in, what we buy, what we eat, right? And the quantified effect of that is actually about 40%. About 40% of our decisions are explained by the mood we are in, in the very moment we are making a decision. Another 30% comes from the context. And a situation like this, where our mood fluctuates and our context is completely has changed, obviously our consumption and purchase decisions do too. And the interesting thing right now for consumers is that they are being pulled apart in three different directions. The first impact was more about the, you know, avoiding contracting coronavirus. So we saw a massive uptick in the use of disinfectants and more hand wash, etc. And that was a very immediate reaction to how to protect themselves from the virus. But we saw another big force, another big impact after that, that came from staying in. And that has all a number of different uh, influences on the consumer behavior which is which goes beyond contracting the virus if you are home and locked down for an extended period of time that changes your entertainment habits how you consume content it even changes what you eat as well and in this period we saw pretty much spending increase across the board in all markets and across multiple categories with some exceptions however what was coming right after that over the last week we actually saw a more distribution of the wallet rather than just increasing spending on everything and stockpiling. As now there is a pending economic recession and people are st starting to worry about their own jobs, we are now seeing not just you know, trying to protect themselves and spend all the money they have to be able to do so, instead a much more cautious approach to their, their wallets and trying to make trade-offs. Vidisha, it would be great actually to look at some of those trade-offs and see, you know, being pulled apart in three different directions in these circumstances, how are consumers making those trade-offs? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think this is quite, it's demonstrated very well in, in the chart I'm showing now. Um, so what we're seeing here is our sort of purchase, product category purchase index. 
This is calculated by the percentage of people sort of purchasing or increasing consumption minus those uh, decreasing consumption. It's important to note we're not actually capturing volume here. We're capturing the change in consumer demand for a given category relative to other categories. So the green bars show the increase uh, where people are spending more. And we're seeing a, you know, a shift towards essentials. So you see personal care and hygiene, cleaning and home care, um, long lasting groceries, uh, even fresh groceries, obviously medical supplies, vitamins and supplements. So, you know, the, these categories are leading the way. And actually we see that discretionary spend is declining. So we yeah. see clothing, electronics as well. Um, and, you know, the, this is where people feel that their spend is not essential. Alcohol actually is an interesting one. This, you know, a couple two weeks ago was actually down. You know, we weren't seeing people spending on alcohol because they were shifting towards these categories over here. But now we're seeing sort of an uptick in alcohol. Um, and that's, I, you know, people are spending more time indoors. There are a lot more markets now on in lockdown. And I think people are looking to self-entertain. So this could be a part of that, you know, when you're watching TV or even when you're on, you know, spending time with your family or video conferencing with friends, you know, the alcohol could be playing a role here. So it's interesting to see how this trend will continue. I left beauty out purposely as well. I mean, it is a, overall a downward trend. But, you know, what we're seeing is that eye makeup, for example, does continue to get attention. You know, uh, if we think about when you're on video, um, when you're also, we're still seeing people wearing the surgical masks, you know, the eyes become a lot more prominent and it's a feature people want to emphasize. Um, so that is another sort of interesting trend we're seeing and something to keep an eye on. And sort of finally, just coming on to skincare, um, as people are spending more time at home, we are seeing a sort of an up, uptick in that too. And that's not, yes, we have your moisturizers and facial cleansers, but what we're also seeing is that a sort of a move towards pampering. This is another form of people's sort of a home entertainment uh, and sort of, you know, ways of spending time while they are sort of stuck at home. Well, that's very interesting. And the reactions do continue to change as the situation and the periods um, that we are experiencing this situation extends. Obviously, with the pubs and bars being closed now, um, we did see an originally a, a period where alcohol consumption was also down. People were not buying that for their homes either. However, as the period within which we will need to stay home is getting longer and longer, and we are now seeing like Netflix parties emerging digitally to connect people, um, it will be quite interesting to see how alcohol continues to trade um, as, as the events unfold. And in terms of entertainment, obviously, you know, watching Netflix and drinking is probably not the only ones that people are engaged in. <laughs> Can we have a look at uh, what else the consumers are now turning to now that they can't go out? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. You know, we do see um, entertainment coming through, but we also see um, sort of 
you know, social media, exercising in home, um, also sort of shopping in line and gaming coming through as well as activities that are on the rise. So this chart that I'm showing is, is calculated in a similar way to the one I showed previously, but it's uh, activity engagement index, the percentage doing more minus doing less. So not surprisingly, we are seeing obviously um, eating out pubs and bars and live events on the um, decline. And this is because a lot of these places are now closed down. Of course, international travelers on, on the decline as well because it's on hold. Um, you know, and we're also seeing you know, people moving towards sort of in-store shopping. Uh, while it's still continuing, it is on the uh, decrease and, and you know, shopping online for groceries is on the increase. An interesting one we see is this sort of outdoor exercise as well. Um, that is actually something that, you know, at least governments here, the government in the UK is still encouraging, uh, although, you know, albeit at a limited, um, in a limited amount, that you're still okay to go to the park and open spaces for a bit of exercise. But actually people are sort of moving more towards in-home exercising. So that's another interesting shift that we see as people are becoming more cautious uh, and spending less time outdoors just generally. Another one that's quite interesting is food delivery. So this is different to shopping for groceries online. This is sort of your takeaways. Um, that's also on the decline, uh, which is quite surprising. Tuche, do you, do you have a sense of why that might be? No, it is, it is very interesting. And it's actually one we see across the world as well, um, with, with one or two exceptions. And what we are hearing from our bees around the world is actually a quite a deep concern about hygiene. And this is quite interesting because obviously delivery is the chosen method right now. And we saw the emergence of, um, you know, contactless delivery all around the world. And that shows the problem, that solves the problem for groceries. We also see consumers actually taking in the groceries and then washing them. And in some cases, we even see fresh fruit and vegetables being washed with um, vinegar to be able to disinfect. But when it comes to cooked food and delivery from restaurants, we can't quite wash entire dishes. That's not going to work. As a result, what we see is that people prefer to buy ingredients and the you know, main necessities and then deal with the hygiene at home. And coming back to you know, our conversation about brand communications, for any restaurant chains, it's incredibly important right now to very clearly communicate that. They, what are the measures they have taken to make sure their kitchens are germ-free? Right? We are getting a lot of questions and a lot of comments from, from consumers about what they are wondering is, how can I trust that what is delivered to me here right now is not manufactured, is not cooked, in an unhygienic environment. And the more we can do to communicate what are the additional measures we have taken in this situation, then the more comfort we will be able to give the consumers to be able to order food as well. One exception to this is South Korea, which is quite interesting. It's also one of the places completely um, beating the trend in the sense that despite the high number of cases, we do see a calm mood overall in um overall in South Korea. Um, and if we just continue from the food angle, so one of the also quite interesting things we are seeing in food is 
what people are aspiring to eat and drink versus what they are actually eating and drinking. And this is not obviously unique to COVID-19. This is generally a situation that, you know, there's always a gap between what our claims are and what we want to do versus what we actually do. In this particular case, what we are seeing is that people are telling us they are trying to boost their immunity and they are doing preventive health measures like drinking lots of fluids, eating lots of fruits, and stockpiling the food that's like really healthy. However, when we actually ask them to share with us the moments in which they are eating and drinking, we are not seeing any of that. Instead, we are seeing a huge amount of comfort food being consumed. And at dinner time, we are seeing more like entertaining food items um, as opposed to a lot of preventive health measures. Shall we jump in, Vidisha, and take a look? Well, what is that gap between the current uh, claims, you know, situation versus actuals? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm showing a chart right now, um, which is, you know, uh, we've asked people what steps they're taking to boost their family's immunity, theirs and their family's immunity. And exactly as Tuche said, we're seeing people claiming to eat, eat healthily, uh, take vitamins and dietary supplements, do regular exercise, drinking fluids. So, you know, these are the what steps that people are aspiring to. Then we sort of look at the items that people say they're stockpiling. Um, you know, we can see that around a third of people are, are say, admitting, let's say, admitting to stockpiling. We, I think it's more. Um, and then we see the items that they are stockpiling. Yes, we see um, sort of general food and groceries, but a lot of these items are actually non-perishables. So canned goods, rice, pasta. Um, you know, I, you know, if, you, if you're based in the UK, you'll know that if you try and buy any of these items in a supermarket, they tend to be sold out. But then let's move into their actual behavior. What is actually, you know, this is the behavior we're capturing in the moment. Uh, and what you see is that exactly as Tuche said, there's a lot of comfort foods. Uh, we see biscuits, we see chocolates and cakes um, and sort of packaged snacks like crisps coming through. And this is sort of, you know, expect to be expected at this time. You know, we've seen that people are feeling anxious, they're feeling scared, they're feeling sad. And, you know, when people are in this kind of mind state, they do look for comfort. Uh, they are looking for ways to sort of deal with their anxiety and sort of turning to their coping mechanisms. This is why it's sort of really important not to rely just on claimed behavior, um, as, as it can be aspirational. And it's important to observe what people are actually doing in that moment and see how this sort of does conflict with what they're, what they're sort of aspiring to achieve. It, it is very interesting. And I can also see the, some of the questions are piling up. So why don't we take a few questions quickly? Um, one of the questions is, can you tell us a little bit more about the survey? When was it taken? Is it daily data? Yeah, and apologies, we should have probably mentioned that at the very beginning. So we are currently covering about um, 100,000 um, in the moment logs from all around the world. This is the sample size on a monthly basis. However, we are um, actually reading the data on a daily basis, and this sample is divided into days and weeks. Um, some of the data we are actually doing on a rolling basis, week on week, and then some of them like fear levels and uh, trust in government, um, mood, we are actually taking daily reads on those. 
Um, another question in relation to that is the is the category brand available for baby food? Um, it is available. We are not going to touch on that today, but we will do a specific session on, on baby food as well. If you have any specific questions on baby food, obviously just let us know. And another question was asking what other categories we are covering. So as you can see, we mentioned already food and beverage and personal care and hygiene, home care and laundry. And um, beyond that, we cover online food delivery, alcohol, pet care, and baby care as well. And the OTC and supplements is the other one we are currently already covering. We have a few more minutes left um, before we finish. So I'm just trying to see if there's any other key questions we can answer. As a confectionery brand, how should I communicate my brand message at the moment? How do we know if we have a right to play or should we turn off the media spend completely for now? Obviously, this is a very relevant question for everyone in the CPG space, and this is something that we are actively working on. And what we are seeing here is that the primary concern for people right now is really basic instincts, right? It's one of survival. So no one is really looking for a lot of very complicated messaging or, you know, saving the world kind of initiatives, but really basic things around what are the hygiene practices? How do I boost my immunity? Is there anything beneficial for me in this food item or in this, you know, uh, moisturizer that I'm using that's really good for me? And then another one that we talked about is country of origin. But shall we quickly jump into that, Vidisha, and see, for yeah. example, for food, what is it that consumers are telling us? What are the things they want to hear from brands right now? Yeah, I've just I've just loaded up that chart now. Um, you can see it on your screen. So exactly, when we're specific, focusing specifically on fruit, food, what what people want to know is uh, is all around food hygiene and safety standards. And this is important to note that it's no, you know, we, we touched on the food delivery aspect already, and that it's important to emphasise your food. Um, sort of hygiene standards uh, when you know because the food is prepared on on site uh, and it's out of control but it, it's actually now going beyond that into into the entire production process they also want reassurance around the hygiene standards during you know the manufacturing and supply chain um, so this is now by when people are buying packaged goods even in, in supermarkets they need this reassurance so you can see these over here at the top Sujay also mentioned that people want to know how food can play a role as a preventative measure. What are the immunity boosting ingredients in different types of foods? And what are the health specific health benefits for them? Um, so this is also really key uh, for brands and companies to talk about. And you know, provenance is becoming more and more important. Um, people will be looking more so from sort of foods that are more locally produced um, and that's something that's going to be key to communicate as well and providing that uh, sort of level of reassurance. So I would say that, you know, brands uh, and food and beverage companies absolutely have a right to play, but it's really key that you um, sort of communicate in the right way. And what people want to know is around, is to be comforted and reassured on those elements. So the communications really do need to be focused on that. Thank you so much, Vidisha. And I know we are running out of time, but we will continue for a few minutes. There are quite a few questions. Let's see if we can take a few more. 
Um, one is about ice cream consumption. We already touched on a little bit about cereal snacking and comfort food. Ice cream is a really interesting one because what we are seeing is obviously it's a, it's a more fair, in most markets, it's an out of home consumption element. And now there is no out of home. Um, how would that continue? But at the same time, what we are seeing is that currently ice cream is punching above its weight in terms of the share of stomach. Um, a product that normally would be under 1% amongst all the food that we eat is actually increasing its share right now alongside cakes and cookies and some other sweet food we are seeing as well. So we have been also following ice cream consumption in this period and how it's changing given that out of home is currently declining. Another question is about banking services and online services. This is something we just started tracking, so we will have more data on that in coming weeks in terms of how it's influencing people's basically ability to transact because you are not go going out in physical stores. One thing that did come out already from our consumers is that um, a dislike for touching physical money for example, because it spreads germs, right? At a time where we are so concerned about germs, no one wants to touch cash all of a sudden. So obviously it's deriving more and more online penetration of online wallets and more digital options as well. And there's another one about filtered and bottled water. Um, Earlier, we talked a little bit that in this kind of situations, one of the things obviously we are looking at is emerging occasions and understand which ones of those occasions are going to persist. Obviously, some changes we are making in our lives are going to be short-lived, but there are some new occasions emerging where people are enjoying it, and we, we are seeing the signs of that persisting after the peak of the crisis. That usually happens when something was already in an upward trend, and an event like that speeds up the adoption process, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right now, we are all digitally connected and obviously video conferencing is booming and we don't expect that to change all of a sudden overnight once this crisis is over. You know, spending through online wallets is another one of that. There are also those situations, and this question was about bottled, bottled water, where we see a little bit of a reversal of a trend as well. If we looked at the last one year's data, again, not claimed, actual observations, we were seeing people slowly shifting towards reusable cups, more filtered water, more like fountains. And that was a massive you know, push for no waste, no plastic. At the moment, we are, unfortunately, we are seeing a complete reversal of that. Because obviously plastic bottles are disposable and you, you use it, you know, you just then throw it away and there is no risk of contracting the you know, virus or germs. So this is currently the preferred method for a lot of people um, to, to interact with water. Again, would we see this continuing because people are going to be so concerned about germs after the crisis? We will see. Currently, even in China, in other markets, we do see a decline in uh, you know, efforts towards no plastic and no waste. Fantastic. So I hope you all stay safe and stay healthy. Take care.